interesting thing this week. Last week I had to run out um, because there was something going upstairs I had to help with, and I posted my phone number up here. And at least four of you in this class took advantage of this phone number, and now you're looking around the room, who was it? Um, and called me. And you all had a story to tell me. Um, and what's interesting is these stories all revolved around workplace conflict. And four of you that called me said, there's this person. It always started with, there's this person. And in all these stories, there was an intractable person with whom you must deal all the time, who has an inordinate amount of power relative to their position, um, and is incredibly difficult to deal with. And I began to thinking, okay, uh, that's interesting. Maybe this is something we need to talk about. Because the first thing I wanted to do was to point people towards Axelrod and think about Axelrod. But the problem is, and the thing I don't think we've discussed as we've gone through this, is this. Let's go back and look at this slide. You remember this slide with my squiggles? Right? We've got interpersonal conflict. And we talked about where do my squiggles go? And we finally, oh yeah, we, we, we all have the squiggles. Well, today we're going to focus in on one little part of that. This is you. Okay. This is that other jerk. <laughs> All right, and today we're going to focus right here because it occurs to me that I've got to get you and you've got to get you in the right headspace before we can work on compelling cooperation and collaboration with someone else, right? If we're all so frustrated and angry and dealing with strong negative emotions from this interaction, it's going to be really hard to get there when we're super upset. Does that make sense? Okay, so what I want us to do is begin the class and let's talk a little bit about anger. And I'd like for you to divide up in groups. And if you remember, when we start, started this class, the first week we went through and talked about our theologies, I want you to do a survey of the Bible for me. I want you to, in a little group, just pair up with whomever's around you, you can be three or four or whatever, go and find verses about being angry. And we'll do that for about five minutes, and then we'll share back. Okay, so we have James 119, Ephesians 426, Psalms 44. What else do we have? Ecclesiastes 7.9. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. I like that one. Proverbs 29.22. An angry man stirs up dissension, and a hot-tempered one commits many sins. What else? Exodus 32.19, when Moses breaks the tablets. Moses starts throwing stuff. <laughs> Proverbs 16, 32. Better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper than one who takes a city. What else? Proverbs 29, 11. Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in the end. <laughs> Ephesians 4, 27. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. 2 Kings 5.11, where a man that is angry because he has to give him a Jordan. 2 Kings what? 5.11. Uh, mm -hmm. Sorry, read it again. Um, I, it's where, Na uh, I'm sorry, 5.11, uh, where Naaman has to go give him a Jordan to become clean. And then there's another one where Jonah is angry because he has to go into Bethlehem, or has to go to uh, save those people. Right. What else? 
Matthew 5:22. But I tell you, anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Romans 12, 19, your friends never take revenge, leave that to the righteous anger of God. The scriptures say, I will take revenge, I will pay them back. What are, what's the, so what lessons, if we, if we could pull all this out, what are some lessons that we learn from these, these verses? Check yourself and be calm before you deal with the situation. Okay, check yourself, be calm. Because why? Actually, if I could answer that with another verse, it's the James 1.20, and it says, this is the follow-up to 19, it says, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. There's something that happens after anger that seems to be counterproductive to conflict resolution. The blow-up? Yeah. You can't put a hand grenade back together, right? Um, There's something that happens after anger. Any, any, any other threads stick out from these verses? Yeah. The, the context really matters when you're looking at Bible verses. Because if you just line all these verses up, they seem to contradict each other. <laughs> yeah, I never knew about the contradiction between Psalms and Ephesians. I'm going to have to go back and do some study there. Uh, Psalms 4.4 and Ephesians 4.26. We're going to have to check that out. I like that, though. I like diving into that. Yeah. Not letting anger sit or not resolving anger. Thematic in some of these. Don't don't not resolve it. I guess. Try to resolve anger. Yeah. <laughs> I like what the Lord is saying to Cain uh, when he's he says, "Why are you so angry?" The Lord asked him, "Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you respond in the right way, but you will if you refuse to respond correctly, then watch out. Sin is waiting to attack and destroy you." You must subdue it. Genesis. Uh, Genesis 4, 6 to 8. Okay. I pulled up a couple too. Um, and I think you guys had most of these. A hot tipper person stirs up conflict, but the one who is patient calms a quarrel. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And whoever is patient has great understanding, but one who is quick-tempered displays folly. Um, Take a moment and just think about um, interactions you've had recently in which you lost your temper, right? You may have either said the wrong thing or didn't say the right thing. I have these moments. As a red-headed person, I give in to the uh, stereotype. I can get pretty mad pretty quickly when the right button's pushed. Alright, so let's talk about the three ways you can deal with emotions. <clears throat> there are three ways, basically. First of all, you can just stop having them. Alright, uh, you know, uh, what's, what's the challenge with stopping just not having emotions? You end up with no relationships. <laughs> no relationships? No fun. No fun, right? You, there's the good and the bad. No fun, no relationships. Uh, you, you can't do it. Um, sorry, outside of some um, uh, registry on the DSM manual, right, uh, you will have emotions. Um, and, and you can't stop that from happening. Here's another one. Ignore them. What's the trouble with that? 
It doesn't address the challenge. What's that? It just prolongs the addressing the challenge. Right. Uh, sometimes we like to bury our feelings as, as deeply as we can, and we think that you know we give into this that maybe we can ignore those feelings, but doesn't seem to work out really well. <clears throat> here's here's another clue. They affect your body, your thinking, and your behavior. What are some ways they affect your body? Strong negative emotions. Elevated blood sugar. Elevated blood sugar. Okay. What else? Ulcers. Ulcers. Okay. Sleeplessness. <clears throat> Sleeplessness. Grinding your teeth. Grinding your teeth. GI disturbances. What's that? <laughs> like gastrointestinal. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> what else? <laughs> A troubled tummy. That was the official medical. Can't concentrate. Can't concentrate. These are really good, and that's all involuntary, right? I mean, so you can try to ignore it, but so what are some ways they affect our thinking? Yeah, that's exactly right. What else? You internalize it. What else? When you're experiencing maybe anger or some other strong negative emotion, how does that affect your thinking? Yeah, mind shuts down completely. Like I can't even think straight. You ever heard you're so mad you can't even see straight, right? Anyone else? Places you a little above the person you're mad at and kind of feel relieved of your responsibilities because you've been wrong, so you have a right to feel this way. It's easier to dehumanize the person when you're angry, too. That's the word. A lot of people compartmentalize, and it just it's mounting pressure that you don't even recognize is there. Right. And, or it affects your thinking in that you're going to expect the worst. And that's right. A and it, it's like you... You lose that choice. I'm going to accept this. I'm going to expect the best or the worst. You start to default to the worst. Yeah, yeah. That that rational decision that we could have made mm -hmm. to do something positive is <coughs> out the window. And and that goes to behavior. Are there any other things that happen to your behavior when you're experiencing a strong negative emotion? It comes out in another relationship. Oh, so you're saying maybe it bleeds over to something else? Okay. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny that that is that's ever happened to me. Yeah, so you can stop having them, which won't work because you know you're humans, not robots. You can ignore them, but here's the problem: they're going to happen to you anyway, right? Blushing, negative thoughts, maybe lashing out, and finally, you can deal directly with each emotion. What's the problem with dealing directly with each emotion you have? Kind of awkward. It would be kind of awkward. <laughs> Tell me what you mean by that. I'm just like, uh, I mean, if you're not even like just being angry or something, but if you're like really confronted each emotion, I mean, you'd be telling people like just crazy things. I can't even. I can't. All right, someone pick up the ball for Jessica here because she. I, I agree. I, can't I agree. Right It'd be now. super awkward, right? And she's experiencing a strong emotion right now because she's blushing and her heart rate's going up a little bit. She wishes I'd stop talking about her, but I won't. It's hard to know sometimes when you're angry what your real emotion is. I default to anger yeah. if I'm scared or if I'm um, scared most of the time. <laughs> or like I can't control my kid. So I'm going to get angry. So I don't, it's really just fear. Um, 
but the anger is so strong that I can't deal with the real problem. That's, that's interesting. We're going to come back to that. That's really good. An emotion can also be deceptive. So you, you have to rethink yourself all the time. And if you put it out there, you may have been wrong to have that emotion in the first place. It's like you misread the whole thing. Right. Okay. So yeah, yeah. yeah. If you put it out there without thinking about it, it can be a little bit embarrassing to, yeah. to deal with it. Okay. Yes. There's an emotional component to almost every thought you've got. It would be paralyzing. Yes. Another one of those you can't. Yeah. If I were if I were to process every emotion I have in the moment, I would. I mean, every time I had a thought, I have to pause and process and calculate, and I would. I would be stuck. That's exactly why I'd be paralyzed. That's what I thought of when I was reading this. By the way, great book. Uh, much of what we're talking about today comes from this book, Beyond Reason. Highly, highly recommend. It's meant to be a book about negotiation, but it works for our conversation about our squiggles and interpersonal conflict. Okay, and basically, it talk, it's, it's a book that talks about the fact that we have these strong emotions and how to deal with them. Right, um, my copy. I, it looks like an old person's Bible. Every page, I've got highlights and markings and mar you know margin notes. Uh, I highly recommend this book for anybody who has a difficult person in their life and finds themselves experiencing strong emotions. Now, so there's a shortcut. Maybe maybe there's a way we can deal with this. And this book has a great idea. Instead of trying to deal with each emotion, let's deal with the things that generate our emotions. And the book outlines five core concerns. There are appreciation, affiliation, autonomy, status, and role. And we're going to talk real quickly about each one because I, we don't have a lot of time to do this. I always run out of time in this class. Affiliation. What does affiliation mean? What you're known for. Well, kind of. Kind of. That's, that's more like reputation. Belonging. Belonging. We have this core concern within all of us to be affiliated with someone. Maybe not everyone. Although if you're an extrovert like me, you want to be connected to everyone. But we have this deal to belong. That's really good. That's affiliation. The next one is appreciation. What does it mean? What does appreciation mean? What do you think they mean by that? We all want to be valued. We all want to belong. And we all want to be a value. Autonomy. What's autonomy? Control. Choice. Yes. Independence. Independence. We all want to believe that we are independent and we have control and choice over the things that we do. And then status. What do you think that might refer to? Respect. Power. Respect. Power. It's more, it, it's more like respect than power, the way these authors talk about it. And that in our given organization or in our given group set, we want the status that we have to be acknowledged. We want people to understand that we have a certain level. And then finally, role. What do you think that would be? Would it be purpose? Yes. That's really great. I like the way you said They don't even say that, but I like that better. We all want to feel that we have... We do something that's fulfilling for us, that we have a purpose that's fulfilling and what we do is important. And when someone trips on that, when someone sets that off in us, it causes, um, or someone doesn't allow us to fulfill or to do the thing we want to do, 
um, that sets off a strong negative emotion in us. When you see someone experiencing a very strong negative emotion towards you, here's a, here's a hint. You have tripped one of these five core concerns. This was a real cheat code for me in understanding my interactions with some people. Everybody wants to feel this. When this is impinged on any of us, we get upset. But when someone else is upset with us, it's very likely someone. So these four stories I told you about this week, when people were calling me, asking me about the difficult co-worker, and we were having these conversations, that co-worker right here, right? And the person who had to deal with them had something they wanted to do. Their autonomy was being impinged upon because they couldn't get the thing done that they wanted to do, right? They didn't feel aff affiliation with the other person. And so we had this bundle of core concerns that need to be sorted out. Is this making sense to everybody? It's a really good shorthand. You can't focus on every emotion you have, but you can think about these things. I like this quote from the book. The difference between having a core concern ignored or met can be as important as having your nose underwater or above it. Mm -hmm. Right? When someone's stepping on your core concerns and your core values, uh, you feel like you're drowning and you're really upset, right? Uh, and you feel like you can't get out and your mind starts racing. It's the same thing here. For some of you, especially. All right, so three dangers of negative emotions. Tunnel vision, what would that be? What's that? My way or the highway. My way or the highway? Yes. But also, it's, it's, the only, it's the only thing you can think about. Yeah. Right? When someone, is, when someone has maybe stepped on uh, your feeling of affiliation or your feeling of autonomy, right, that core concern, all you can think about is the behavior they're doing that's causing that and the way you feel. And you can't think of the reason you were here in the first place to resolve the issue or to get the thing done. It all gets focused here. And then you can easily dehumanize that person, right? Tunnel vision, vulnerability. What does that mean? I'm sorry, I keep stepping right in front of you. This is kind of my default landing zone. It can make you raw and expecting the worst. That's right, it can make you raw and expecting the worst. Or <clears throat> the idea of this book is to teach you how to make better connections and get past interpersonal conflict via the mode of negotiation, right? If you were a group of sociopaths, one thing you could do is learn how to trip people's core concerns to get them really mad so you could take advantage of them, right? The flip side of this is true for you. When your core concerns are tripped, you are at risk to make either really poor choices or to let the other person walk all over you and get exactly what they want. Does that make sense? You are not a group of sociopaths, okay? You're going to use your powers for good. Contagiousness. I had to look that up to make sure that was the word I wanted. It was. We had to have a discussion about that last night. What do I mean by contagiousness? Your emotion can affect others' emotions. That's right. Do you remember when we talked about does this work? Uh, the laser part doesn't work. But remember when we talked about triangles? Right? Your negative emotion will not only affect the person with whom you're having this interaction, right? But it's going to bleed over in other parts of your group or your family. So there is an infectious nature to your negative emotions. All right. 
So let's talk about how to deal with some strong negative emotions. Take a moment, let's do a think, pair, share, uh, pair up with someone next to you, and talk about ways that you deal with your strong emotions. Okay? I'll give you a minute, let's do a minute just to think about it, and then we'll split into groups. And I'll, I'll, I'll cue you each time, all right? So just have a moment to think about how you deal with your strong negative emotions. Someone jump in. Journaling. Journaling? Oh, that's really good. I call my mom. You call your mom? Alright. That's nice. What was the verse that basically said, just shut it down, go to sleep, and deal with it tomorrow? <laughs> Wasn't that your Psalm 4 4? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we talked about how sometimes 
like we feel like we need to resolve the situation, right? Like this conflict, like we gotta fix it. It's that, it, it, like it's anxious to, for it not to be right. But sometimes actually, that's not the right move. Like, yeah. To fix it now. Yeah. Because that other person may not be there yet. And you, right, right, what we've learned today, physically and emotionally, you may not be there. And even like when you've said you're sorry, even like when the other person, those negative emotions linger for a minute, right? And they, they still affect your thinking. They don't just magically poof. Right? They stay for a while. Somebody hits you in the face and then, then they try to hug you and say, I'm sick to my kids all the time. Then hit right. somebody else in the face and then I... They want to apologize and hug them, and the other person's just not, not ready. Yeah, they, need, <laughs> they need a minute. That's, that's interesting. That point about punch them in the face. When you're when you observe children, they can do that. You know, they can have a squabble, and then the next thing you know, they're hugging on each other, and it's like, oh, the innocence of kids. Right. I wonder how much life experience feeds into all these challenges. When you get older than five and seven, I, I, I would say not all kids can do that. <laughs> uh, but I, I, to your greater point, that is interesting, right? Adults, we don't we don't hug it out as quickly as maybe some kids do. What else? Have an inner dialogue with that person, probably like fifty times. I'll like work through it. I'm like this is what I'm gonna say. No, that's interesting. I like, is, is, are you saying like post-action or pre-action report? Sometimes both. Yeah. Yeah. I like to do that too. Like I have, <laughs> like in the shower, like okay, then I'm gonna say this. Yeah. You know, get them right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do a lot of thinking like that. Of course, we all have a plan until Mike. So Mike Tyson had this quote: "Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face." Right. Um, you know. And, and then that reptile brain, the thalamus gives up, sends it somewhere else. The reptile brain takes over, and then we can't think about the great things we thought we were going to say. That's why we have those conversations later, because your rational brain is taking over again. Can, but George Costanza in Seinfeld, he's going to make the joke to the guy about, like, uh, <laughs> like why don't you, what's the joke that he makes about the shrimp store? Like, why don't you go back to the jerk store? Yeah. Oh, yeah, the jerk there, store called, they're out of you. He tries to stick with the joke and doesn't play. That's right, that's good. <laughs> Okay, so the book has a neat idea about how we can deal with these things, all right? Um, and I like this. First of all, assess your own emotional temperature. And they have like three zones to think about. Am I out of control? If so, engaging may not be the right thing to do right now. Am I simmering? Okay, I'm warm. I can't stay at this temperature for longer because I'm going to move up to being out of control and boiling over. Maybe I need to calm myself down. Or am I manual? Am I calm enough to do this right now? So to stop and think, what's my temperature? I actually now use this to teach my students in negotiation class. We talk about this very thing. Okay, are my emotions, where am I at? And then the second one would be, assess their emotional temperature. What are some behaviors of theirs we could look at to have a, because we can't read their mind, okay? What are some behaviors of theirs we could look at to help us understand where they are? Clenched teeth, raised voice, <laughs> flaring nostrils. That's right, flaring nostrils. <laughs> Tears. Tears. <laughs> Eye contact. Eye contact. And that's really interesting because they could be looking around or they could be staring at you with those real crazy eyes, right? 
<laughs> Anybody else? Any other behaviors that would be dead giveaways? Avoidance. Avoidance? Nervous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, heavy, heavy breath. Back, they back away from the table. Their face is red. Their ears get red. Hypothetically speaking, they punch you in the face. Fist. That would be. That's right. That's right. An aggressive I'm stance. I'm right. You know the next class is jujitsu. That's coming in the spring. So just come back, and we'll be ready then. Okay. And then the book talks about having an emergency plan ready. You know. Um, when I was in law school, I think I was in my third semester, and our third year, and I was really down. Like I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. Um, you know, I had some opportunities in Northwest Arkansas, but Rachel and I had begun having conversations about coming back here, um, and and we were thinking about that. And I'm looking out to the future, and and law school wasn't everything I hoped it would be. I wasn't sure that this was exactly even what I wanted to do for the next 15 years. Professor Mullane, who was this um, Vietnam Navy pilot, and uh, still so cool, like even with salt and pepper in his hair, like he'd still look like a pilot, man. Best professor I ever had. Calls me into his office. He said, Matt, you're going to be called upon to help people forever how long you do this. And he said, I want you to think about something. I want, you, I want you guys to think about this too. He said, have you ever flown on an airplane? I said, sure, yeah, I've been on an airplane. I said, okay, I want you to imagine now you're on the jetway, you're walking in to the airplane. What's the first thing you do? I said, well, you hang a right. I was like, yes, we all hang a right unless you sit in first class, which I don't, so I hang a right. And you go and you find your seat, right? And once you find your seat, you put your things in the overhead bin, and you take your seat, and you get kind of settled. And then a flight attendant's come out, they're going to come out, they're going to give you a speech, right? Uh, and in case you you know have never used a car, they're going to tell you how to buckle your seatbelt, and then they're going to tell you about the emergency exits. Right? They're going to make this motion, and then what are they going to talk about? Oxygen. They're going to talk about the oxygen mass, right? And they're going to say, in the event of a loss of cabin pressure, mass will drop down from the overhead bin or overhead compartment above you. And then they say, what do you do first? What, what? <laughs> you put on your own mask first, right? And then you try to put on the mask for the other person. It doesn't matter if Mother Teresa is sitting next to you. Put your own mask on first and then help her. And what was that a lesson? It was a lesson in self-care, right? And that same lesson applies to this, conflict management. So you should have an emergency plan of how you're gonna soothe yourself. And the loss of cabin pressure, when everything's crazy, right? And you're frantic, put the oxygen mask on yourself, because you're gonna be no help to the person with whom you're in conflict if you're out of control. And I love that story that he's given me, because I, I shared it with clients over and over again when they would come into my office, and it meant a lot to me. So, um, I wrote down, I scoured the book and wrote down everything I could find in the book about an emergency plan to soothe yourself. I want you to take a look at this list and see if there's one or two that might work for you and then we can respond to them, okay?
Yeah, I saw, I saw the typo too. I apologize. So have a, have a look at that list. This assumes that you'll still be in the moment with this person, okay, that you're not going to take a hike or go on a drive, but you're still going to be with them. Right. Which of these might speak to you? That's an actual question. Yes. For me, adopting a relaxed position sometimes helps if I can just let my shoulders and my hands go. Sometimes that helps a little bit. Is there anything not on this list that might speak to you as well? I'm only, I'm only going to keep you for like two more minutes, so hang in there. I've been trying to pray, like just a quick, Holy Spirit, give me wisdom. That's good. For me, I name it. Like, I say, okay, they're making me mad. That's what they did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I think for me, it's that third one. Because usually when I'm angry at something, I'm actually sad about something else. Yeah. Right? Like, I, it's, I, I need to take a minute and figure out what's actually happening, and then I can say, oh, that's why I'm angry right now. Yeah, there's like some sort of core concern that's been tripped yep. that's made you kind of mourn that, and now your response is to be angry. Yeah. I get that. That's good. I hope this list is helpful to you. Maybe you have other things. <coughs> the most important thing you can do is think about those short quotes about what cause those negative emotions in that other person and in yourself. Put the mask on yourself by having a plan ready, and then you can kind of move forward to do some of the work we've talked about. Thank you for being here. We'll see you next week.